0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air.
1: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Danny Wisantowski. To be a landlord in Granite City means you're not always in charge of what happens to your tenants. Like many municipalities across the country, and particularly in Illinois, the city maintains a set of rules under what's known as a Crime-Free Housing Ordinance. And it is not optional. Across the river, Granite City sits just north of St. Louis, and it's home to some 30,000 people. According to the city's figures, around 27% of them live in rentals. So let's say you are a landlord in Granite City. The crime-free housing ordinance enacted in 2010 says you need a rental license, and getting that license isn't just a matter of paying a fee. It means the possibility of getting a letter from the Granite City Police Department informing you that your tenants or their guests had committed a crime. For years, that situation led to a specific demand. Everyone in the home must be evicted, or else you, the landlord, could lose that rental license or even be cited yourself. But that arrangement has changed, somewhat. Starting in 2019, a civil rights lawsuit, along with investigations from NPR and the Belleville News Democrat, revealed the full impact of the Granite City Crime-Free Housing Law, and how those laws allowed it to pressure landlords into evicting hundreds of people, including entire families, even though many of them had never been accused of crimes or even arrested. In 2020, amid the controversy, Granite City tweaked its Crime-Free Housing Ordinance and how it handles evictions. Yet, just last month, a federal judge upheld Granite City's original crime-free housing ordinance, ruling against the renters who had sued the city, alleging violations of their civil and constitutional rights. To talk about that ruling and what it means for Granite City and the influence of crime-free housing laws, we welcome Sam Gedge, the attorney who argued the case in federal court for the Virginia-based Institute for Justice. We're also joined by Debbie Brummett, who in 2019 faced eviction in Granite City after her adult daughter was arrested for trying to steal a van. Sam, I I want to start with you. Your group challenged the way Granite City forced landlords to evict tenants, and Granite City argued the law was just simply intended to promote safety. What triggered your interest in this case initially?
2: Well, frankly, the unparalleled scale of Granite City's uh, crime-free housing ordinance. Uh, Ultimately, it was a really startling exercise in collective punishment, as Debbie's story uh, illustrates. Basically, the city would force entire households uh, out of their homes if any member or even a guest committed a felony within city limits. And it was ultimately an exercise of guilt by association, which is a threat to people's most fundamental constitutional rights.
1: Now, what options did people have in these cases? The the, the landlord gets a letter, you know, someone's being charged with a crime, you know, anywhere in Granite City. This isn't just in the home itself anywhere within city limits and they get this notice, what are the options that they have?
2: They didn't have many options. Uh, there was an appeal process where you could appeal to City Hall, and a city employee would decide if the city had correctly ordered you to be evicted from your home. Um, but ultimately, you know, the city tells your landlord, we're gonna take your landlord license unless you kick out this entire family, and most people uh, have little choice but to move, whether that's across the river or just down the street to a different rental property.
1: Debbie, this situation was really exactly what happened to you. In 2019, you were living in Granite City and you were trying to help your, your daughter at the time who was struggling with substance abuse and addiction, um, she did not live with you. She was on your occupancy permit, and that meant her arrest triggered this eviction process that target, targeted your entire household. Uh, tell us, you know, what did this process feel
3: like? What, what was your reaction when you got that eviction notice? <laughs> I was dumbfounded. It's, I, I knew nothing about it. I knew when I moved in there that I signed the addendum I didn't realize it meant that I would be held accountable for things that I didn't know about. Signing the addendum, I thought it meant, you know, if I, if I knew about a crime being committed and I allowed it, then I would be held accountable. And I agree with that. However, I knew nothing, and I didn't know anything until a week after her arrest when I got the letter in the mail.
1: And you're referencing this addendum, and, and this is you know, part of this this ordinance. Where on the lease that you're signing as a renter, there's this page that says, you know, any you know crime committed on the premises, you know, all of this could result in your eviction. But the, the details of that addendum and the way that it could be pressured against that landlord—that's really what uh, this ordinance uh, allowed, uh, uh, you know, allowed to happen. Um, and, and so, what what did happen
3: with your situation? W- were you evicted? We were not, um, because we found. Sam <laughs> um he they got us a uh, stay
1: <laughs> Sam, t- tell us about this case. They were they were facing eviction like, like hundreds of others. You came in uh, with a civil rights lawsuit in 2019. W- what happened then?
2: Uh, really, it was a fire drill. Um, the city had reaffirmed that, yes, we, we meant it when we said that Debbie and, and Andy and, and Debbie's two grandkids have to lose their home. Uh, and uh, we represented Debbie and Andy uh, and filed a lawsuit in federal court and got a temporary restraining order within a couple of days, which prevented the city from making good on its threat of coercion forcing uh, Debbie and her family out of their home.
1: Now, what what is the philosophy behind this? You know, Debbie's you know family, grandkids, they had not been. Accused of any crime, they had not, you know, they were not there. They were not housing the van. W- what was the safety element to that was necessary to evict them?
2: Well, it won't surprise you to hear that I don't think there was one. But I just kind of give the the most charitable view of Granite City's position, uh, they and other cities that enforce these kinds of laws like to say that criminals are like weeds, which means that we have to pull them up root and branch. And those branches happen to be innocent wives, husbands, children, family members, uh, parents. And when it comes to cities like Granite City, those kinds of collateral consequences are just kind of the price of admission.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I should mention the reference you just made—that you know, the way that Granite City treats criminals like like weeds or plants—that is actually the language in their training documents that you can find, that I was able to find. You know, for landlords who are applying for that rental license, they are told you need to keep crime out of your homes, and part of that is uh, keeping you know the various you know, people who are in any relationship to that crime. You know, wh- however it goes, or it will it will set there. It has this this very particular vision of, of how to protect people. Uh, by removing as many people seemingly as possible. Is that fair to say?
2: It is, and it's entirely paradoxical, and I think the cruelty is, is really evident from the way you described it. The idea is we have, to, we have to protect innocent people in our community by making other innocent people homeless. Uh, and I think just to, to describe that system is to, to show how really senseless and unjust it really was and continues to be in many cities.
1: Debbie, I wanted to ask you, you know, these eviction cases that affect uh, so many more people than just those who are accused of crimes. Um, You no longer live in Granite City, and it's now been two or three years since this incident. You know, what, how, what was the
3: impact this had on your family? It was a lot of stress. There were moments that my daughter wanted to come back after, after this happened, and I would not even allow her to come to the house because we're being evicted because of this. You know, I didn't, I was afraid to to let her come back.
1: This happened to many more people than than just your family, Debbie. Sam, you know what do we know about the scope of this? You know how many people had to go through this kind of situation and and didn't have uh, someone to argue for them in court?
2: It's a really breathtaking number. Um, you know, by our account, between 2014 and 2019 alone, for example, uh, Granite City issued around 300 of these compulsory eviction demands, like Debbie received. And for somewhere around 100, or at least 100 of them, they involved crimes that didn't even take place on the property. So you have situations, for example, where you know a family member shoplifts at the Walmart across town, and everyone in the house is forced to leave. Uh, you have a situation where uh, a man and his four children are forced to leave in the middle of winter because. The The man's wife was caught with a user quantity of drugs elsewhere in town. The stories go on and on.
1: The numbers on this are are really remarkable. I mentioned that there had been a a good number of investigative reporting. uh, The Bellevue News Democrat reported in 2020. They looked specifically at Granite City between 2014 and 2018, and they found, you know, of the 500 tenants who were forced out of their homes, you know, 239 of them, about 46 percent, weren't accused of any wrongdoing at all. 22 of the households, 36 tenants who faced eviction, uh, they were involved with someone who called 911 just to help someone. Who was overdosing. Um, this seems like the, the concept of safety and protection is being lost with a, a very hard line definition. Um, how, how did it get to this point?
2: I think it was kind of a a, a long path that went wrong in a lot of ways. Um, So about 30 years or so ago, uh, a gentleman in Arizona created this crime-free housing program and started pitching it to cities across the nation. Um, And his vision was that this would be a voluntary program where landlords could opt in if they want and put a sticker on the window or something saying, you know, I'm a crime-free house. Um, But cities like Granite City and many others in Illinois and elsewhere really took that idea and ran with it and converted it into this compulsory system where landlords have to evict their tenants whether they want to or not, whether it makes sense or not.
1: We're talking about a recent ruling in federal court about Granite City's crime-free housing ordinance, and we just heard from uh, Attorney Sam Gedge and Resident Debbie Brummett about what happened, uh, you know, to these various you know, families uh, who, who have encountered this law. But I, I want to bring in another voice, um, and that's the that is of Kevin Link, who is a former business owner and landlord in Granite City. And now Kevin had fought against this crime-free housing ordinance in court when he was ordered to evict tenants in 2019. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show
0: well thank you I'm honored to be here
1: Kevin, as I just mentioned, in 2019, you refused to purchase the business license. That's kind of the crux of this housing ordinance uh, that allows the city to say, if you don't evict uh, these tenants, we will remove your your business license. We'll you know, get in the way of you doing business. Um, and you claim that you were being harassed by the police there because you wouldn't evict a tenant. Uh, tell us about that situation and, and why uh, you stood up in that moment.
0: Well, like... I guess it was around 2016, I found myself in uh, the crime-free city court. Uh, The crime-free police, they wanted me to evict a pregnant single mother from her house because they had charged her boyfriend with a crime. I reminded the judge—now, this is the city judge, the one that you go to the appeal if you don't like, because you're allowed to appeal— if you uh feel it's unreasonable to evict this person he I mean, did have an appeal process but that this problem was i felt the decision was made before i even entered into the courtroom um yeah i reminded the city judge a- at my hearing that uh, neither the tenant or her uh, ex-boyfriend had been found guilty of any crime um, the boyfriend was charged and the lady you know, she wasn't even charged with anything but the captain of the crime-free housing he in court in front of the judge he said they're guilty if i say that they're guilty but uh i spoke up in front of the judge and i told him, well i think they at least ought to get a trial to find out for sure but the city attorney who was there too she said that uh trials take too long and uh, we want them out now and I said, I just couldn't in good conscience do that. And I thought the judge would rule in my favor. <laughs> you, know, like you you would think, but I, you would think wrong. The judge told me that it was me. I was in violation of crime-free law because uh, I, there was an officer of the law telling me that there, he thought there may have been a crime committed at my house, uh, and I'm not evicting everybody. And uh, I, I basically said if there's a crime— It should be up to the police to investigate the crime and arrest the person that actually committed the crime.
1: It's, it's a great point you bring up, Kevin, that this notion of you know, that people who were not convicted of crimes were still, uh, you know, br- had triggered this system, their automatic eviction. And, and I want to turn to Sam uh, because the the situation that Kevin, uh, Kevin Link, uh, a former landlord and business owner in Granite City, that situation he just described is not quite the situation that exists today in 2022. Uh, in 2020, Granite City amended its crime-free housing ordinance amid the lawsuits uh, that you were bringing and amid. Uh, the investigations that were being published about the actual impact of that law. They replaced their system with with a, a system that has multiple tiers to their licensing. If you have people, if you are a landlord and you have people who have felonies or misdemeanors living in your in your properties, you will have to pay a higher license fee more often, and you will be at a higher risk to you know, still losing that license. But the city no longer um, you know demands evictions in the same way. The ordinance has been rewritten. There is still an appeal process. Um, is this new system that they instituted in light of the lawsuit you brought is this a real change was or was it a band-aid?
2: Uh, it's a change of some sort and your reference to tears I think uh, illustrates the point which is like it is frankly so complicated that I don't quite understand how the new law works um, but I, I think the ultimate goal is similar, which is that we're going to saddle landlords uh, and by proxy their tenants with additional burdens based on crimes that they may not have had anything to do with mm-hmm. so it's uh you know, no, not great.
1: And, and to be clear, you know, under the, that new system, you know, a landlord could you know, rent their uh, a property to someone with a, a, a felony conviction with a criminal record, someone who's facing, uh, you know, at least certain types of crimes uh, very serious types of crimes can still result uh, in sort of a demanded eviction. Um, but the, the city is still kind of making it more difficult for landlords to put people these sorts of people in their homes to maintain them. It is riskier. It's more expensive. It sounds like the city is still trying to, you know, reach the same goal, you know, to force these people out of these homes or to encourage it very strongly.
2: That's certainly maybe the case, and I can't speak for the city. Um, but I will say that they have, even while repealing the old law, continued to defend that old law vigorously for years in federal court. And in fact, as you said, uh, secured a victory ratifying that old law just this past month. So clearly, they are interested in the concept of, you know, compulsory eviction laws or crime-free housing laws, and we're looking forward to continuing the fight against them.
1: On that point, this federal ruling, you know, we, we mentioned at the top of our show, Although Granite City has changed its crime-free housing law in 2020, this federal ruling from the judge says the original one—the one where evictions were the, the sort of mode of resolution for these issues—that um, is legal. That is that is fine for the city to do, and it seems like many other uh, cities in Illinois employ similar laws. They are still potentially putting families like Debbie's and others through similar situations. Where do you go from here on this case, and and what is left to be argued?
2: So there's a lot left to be argued. Um, We are going to be appealing the case to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in Chicago, and the one of the main grounds of importance of the case is the fact that there are so many cities in Illinois and elsewhere that haven't done the the fancy footwork that Granite City does, um, but have instead maintained these kinds of compulsory eviction and collective punishment regimes. Uh, so we're looking forward to uh, persuading the Court of Appeals that when it comes to guilt by association, the Constitution says that's not okay. And we're looking forward to that kind of sweeping ruling having an impact on all sorts of similar municipalities.
1: Debbie, I wanted to give you the last word on this. You've experienced the impact of this ordinance really up close. It's affected your family directly. And so for people who are concerned about safety and, and this idea of living in a crime-free community, what would you want them to understand about how these laws you know, impact that community?
3: It doesn't matter where you live, there's going to be crime, unfortunately. And these laws do nothing but put innocent people on the streets. It's it's not it's not a fair it's not fair it's not a fair law, and it shouldn't exist. That's my take on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Debbie. I, I so appreciate
1: you coming here today. Um, Debbie Brummett was a, a former resident of Granite City uh, whose family was subject to this eviction law. Sam Gedge uh, is an attorney with the Institute for Justice uh, and has been leading this lawsuit against Granite City over this law. Uh, We appreciate both of you for being here, and also to Kevin Link, uh, former landlord and business owner in Granite City. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio.
0: This episode was produced by Danny Wisentowski.
1: Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer.
2: St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.
0: Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group.